Welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am joined by Martin UFO Podcast Willis. Hello, Martin. Hello. Well, you sort of got it backwards, but Podcast UFO Willis, I think it is. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure that's what it says on my birth certificate. (laughs) I I didn't want to get it right, though, because that's a different (laughs) podcast, so I wanted them to Google and get Go to the wrong one. Oh, good. Yeah. So that's what my plan was for getting that screwed up. So people are probably wondering, whoa, you're blowing my mind. What the heck's going on here? Where is Mr. Jason McClellan? Mr. Jason McClellan uh, isn't with Open Minds anymore. He's He's gone off to do other things. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll have him back on the show occasionally or, or sometime in the future. But uh, I need a news guy. I need a buddy to talk about uh, news with. And this buddy has invited me to his podcast to do news for several months. And it's always a lot of fun talking to Martin. And uh, so I decided Martin would be a great guy to join me every week. So we're going to try, right? You're going to try to join me hopefully every every Monday. As far as I'm concerned, um, I've already marked it on my calendar for nice. years in advance. Yeah, <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. yeah, so this ought to be a lot of fun. So Martin and I will talk about the news in just a few minutes. However, I first want to introduce our guest for the day, and that is Kevin Randall. So Kevin's cool. Kevin uh, Martin actually had him on not too long ago. He did a great podcast on the Roswell Slides. Uh, Martin had a lot of other great researchers, several of whom we will discuss later in the interview with Kevin Randall. Uh, but I just wanted to have Kevin... Because I wanted to get to the bottom of this. Okay, um, you guys, we've been talking about the Roswell slides, and I'll catch you up. It's like catching people up to the to Game of Thrones or something. I'll catch you up on the latest drama. But Kevin has been looking at this stuff from the beginning. And what confused me is the first time I heard about this, I heard it had to do with the Roswell Dream Team, two of whom uh, I'm probably closest with are or Don Schmidt and Kevin Randall, I emailed them both separately, and you know they, they were uh, not doing the same thing in regard to these Roswell slides. So that confused me. Who is a Roswell you know, uh, dream team? What do they have to do with all of this? So in this interview, Kevin explains that, and he gives us background. For those of you who aren't familiar, we've had Ken, Kevin Randall on before, and I've, I've talked about him in regards to the Roswell slides. However, he is a Roswell researcher. He's written several books. In my opinion, he's a great researcher. Uh, he's really fun to talk with. Uh, he's a really funny, witty guy, but also very intelligent. So uh, it'll be a great interview. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure it will. You know, it's uh, Kevin, in my opinion, is one of the grounded people out yeah. there in the research. 
And like you said, he's highly intelligent and a real likable guy. Always a, always a great interview. I agree. And what's interesting, you know, especially when it comes to this Roswell Dream Team and these slides, is that he has been a skeptic uh, of those slides. And he's been on one side where, as other parts of this Roswell um, Dream Team have been, of course, supporting the whole thing up until recently. And then you have, uh, I didn't even know this, there's a couple of other members who have been involved in different arenas. And Kevin will explain that also. It's It's really interesting how this all comes about, I think. I can't wait to listen myself. Oh, it's exciting. Okay, and just to catch people up on the Roswell slides, so uh, we've been talking about it, how Jaime Masson had a big event, uh, Tom Carey and Don Schmidt, who are two Roswell researchers and part of the stream team, have purported that this is probably an alien body, and we have some research and experts who have said so. Well, they did their event on May 5th. Um, they didn't release, you know, high quality resolution pictures of the, uh, of the slides. And in fact, the second slide they just barely showed without any fanfare. And what a lot of people noticed is, you know, the second slide of what was shown was really low resolution, but that there was a, the placard could be seen better. So there were some researchers who started looking at this placard. Um, a couple of days after that happened, Adam Dew, the owner of the slides, released a higher resolution slide, and people within 48 hours were able to decipher the placard. And sure enough, the placard says that it's a mummified body of a two-year-old boy. It even gives some details about the mummy. Uh, some people, including one of the guys who was in favor of this thing, part of the research to show it was an alien, uh, he turned his, he changed his mind finally, and then he showed up with some more evidence showing that more of the background, given what's in the placard about the man who found the mummy and background of the mummy. So I've written all this up in a, in a long story that people can check out. But uh, I don't know if Martin's going to talk about it because he's already talked a lot about it, and he's got a, a no Roswell slides policy at this point. <laughs> Well, that that's on my show, but I can blab about it on this one a little bit. And, you know, one of the things I had mentioned is I think um, Jaime may just stick to his guns because he has so many faithful followers that will take his word over anyone else's or over any evidence. And, you know, he's got a lot to lose by, you know, conceding with the rest of the people that have apologized, basically. And that's, in my opinion, there are some people that need to apologize and uh, maybe we'll get one from him sooner or later. Yeah. So like uh, Martin has noted, Jaime has not given up yet. He is one of the few people who is still saying this is an alien. And uh, and he's right. You know, Jaime can go on and say this indefinitely, uh, even if the evidence uh, is piling up that, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously a mummy, let alone I think it looks like obviously it's a mummy. But uh, this reminds me of, and I... You know, it's a bit dangerous for me to bring this up uh, in this company because I know Martin is not a fan, but it reminds me of the Stephen Greer incident when Stephen Greer's own scientist started to say that this mummy that they had found was a mummy and it was a human mummy. And Greer, I think to this day, denies that his scientist says that, even though I was able to have an email interview and conversation with his scientist as well where he told me and it online to various magazines and, and, you know, very clear terms, this is a human. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, Greer still says there might be something more mysterious to this, and many, many people believe him to this day. I also had a conversation with the same person you're talking about, and he also enjoyed my little karaoke thing I did on Greer. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's a, if you look online, uh, and I posted it on my Facebook, I think, uh, Martin did a little karaoke about the whole <laughs> Greer thing. It was very cute. Um, but he admits he's not a and singer. I, and I can't, I can't sing, by the way. Yeah. yeah right, right. So let's yeah. get into the news before we get to this exciting interview today. And uh, just like we do with Jason, we'll let Martin start off. What is the news story of the week that you would like to discuss, my friend? Well, what I'd like to talk about is the UFO at the U.S. Space Walk of Fame Museum. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought that was really uh, fun to look into. And I guess it was like twice in the last week or so. Um, at the U.S. Spacewalk fame in Titusville, Florida. They caught a UFO on surveillance camera inside the museum. Now, it was like flying around in the room, and I've looked at this video like over and over again, and you know it's probably, most likely, some type of dust particle, but it does move uh, pretty interestingly. It kind of like comes up and, and goes down pretty quickly, almost like it's affected by gravity or something, but... Nothing that you'd expect a dust particle unless the surveillance is not filming in real time, unless they're like slow frames. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't really know how that works. But, you know, for right now, the thing like bounces up, bounces down, goes around in the room, just like you'd imagine an orb would do. Now, Charlie Mars, he's the president of the U.S. Spacewalk of Fame Museum, and he told WKMG News that we can't explain it, nor can the person who put the system in for us. He later insinuates that it would could be a ghost or other strange things have also happened in the museum in the past, and it really gets them discussing, you know, what it could be. And he's he seemed like he's really enjoying what's going on there. It's certainly getting some media. Yeah, he seems to love this mystery. He seems to... Um you know, be adamant about uh, sticking to his guns that it is a mystery. Um, and you're right, you know. At first I thought it might be a bug because they're often, you know, they're, they're small and they float around like that. You don't see any wings flapping. And I guess that might be a possibility because, it, like you said, it seems to move intelligently under its own power like it, it or at least with some intent. So uh, it doesn't seem to be meandering like a dust particle. It flies into the frame and flies out and kind of flies back. So, yeah, it's a really fun video of a UFO inside a building. And, uh, of course, it seems the guy even talked about maybe it be, could be a ghost and ghost-related. Uh, but I included it because of the space connection uh, on the website and also that some people were uh, you know, mentioning, I guess, because it, it's a spacewalk of fame, that it could be an alien, so... Uh, of course. Yeah. Now, now, I'm also wondering if this thing could be replicated somehow by stirring up some dust, yeah. you know, at night or something. I'm, I'm sure they, you know, they could do something to just compare it yeah. to. And, you know, another thing I was thinking of, this could be, it's just possible that someone might be uh, staring in the window with a flashlight looking for alien bodies on display since it's a <laughs> Yeah. Zing. I never even thought of that one. That's a yeah. really good point. That's probably what's going on. I think that's what it is. People yeah. all over the country are peeking into museums looking for their alien bodies. Especially when it has to do with space. You know, I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. 
Right. Well, I think, you know, Linda Howe even says she might have found evidence of a picture of an alien body now, too. So, I don't know. There's a lot going on. But I, let's not maybe go there, huh? Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, did you listen to that interview on Willie Strieber? I uh, know. I, I was busy at the beach yet again. Drove out to visit my sister uh, in oh, in L.A. Awesome. and hang out at the beach this weekend. So, oh, I, again, goodness. you know, uh, did not do work-related stuff. All right, so yes, Whitley Strieber interviewed both uh, Jaime Mosayan and also Linda, Mo- Linda Moulton Howe on the topic. And uh, I'm not going to judge the podcast in any type of way. I'm just going to say that it's uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's some amazing claims made. And I, I do just want to say one thing. Okay. And that is that... Um, they're they're kind of going along the lines that okay so the placard may say what they're saying it is but it's still an alien mm. and to me that's uh that's way out there it's government yeah. disinformation so we find these slides and and these old people's home we look at them it looks like they have a mummy some people mistakenly thought they were alien um the placard is deciphered to say it's an alien but or a, a mummy human but somehow it's an alien. That's right. Yeah. And it was done by the government because they want to get a reaction to see how pe- people react when they actually see an alien. Hmm. Very. You can't make this stuff up, or or maybe you can. <laughs> yeah, you can. What? But uh, th- I, that implies that, you know, Don Schmidt and Tom Carey or something were all part of this government thing, too. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I don't understand. Yeah. But uh, either way... Um, it's a mummy. Get over it. So let's see. Moving on. <laughs> um, the other stories going on that I wanted to mention to our listeners. Uh, I wrote this story about this Chilean video that was released. It was actually kind of a, a video that was released to Leslie Kane, and she wrote about it exclusively on a Huffington Post blog where there was a case from 2012 where uh, uh, some people, two paramedics and a sergeant, were at this academy, Air Force Academy, um, in Chile, in Santiago, and they saw a formation of lights. And these lights were in a line. They moved into a triangular formation, a circular formation before disappearing. And uh, these guys were really shocked by that. You know, they thought these lights were going to land. A general had come to the base about the same time and you know, he said that these guys were all really excited. The sergeant uh, who witnessed this, I guess, was in charge of security. So uh, he was a respected, incredible person. So it's been an interesting case for the Chilean government. Well, they've looked at the videos and they can't determine what the lights are. So that's essentially what the conclusion they've come to, that it is anomalous aerial phenomena, which is the term they use, essentially the term for UFO just meaning they can't and have not yet identified it. And they believe that uh, there could be some evidence that these lights were under intelligent control. So a pretty interesting story. The videos aren't very good. The paramedics recorded it with their cell phones. Um, You can't see much, admittedly, and they admit that. Uh, There's a link to CEFAA, the UFO organization, uh, official organization, part of their kind of FAA uh, that investigates UFOs uh, and their report with pictures and videos. Um, however, you know, Leslie Lickley writes in English, so she has a whole story on the Huffington Post. 
I wrote somewhat about the sighting and uh, and her blog that she had written. So that was a really interesting story. Did you get to take a look at that or the videos at all? Yes, uh, I've been following that along. And actually, Leslie and Jose Lay are going to be on my show this coming Wednesday. Wow. So that, and then we're going to be talking about that for, you know, an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> so we're going awesome. to go, you know, I think the best part of this story, in my opinion, is that it's a government agency and that other parts of the government and even local, you know, like police departments, military, everyone is all behind this organization in researching. And, you know, they come out with uh, this, that, you know, it's unexplained, basically, and possibly under intelligent control. To me, that really lays the groundwork for other countries and organizations in other countries, however they are, to actually, you know, start investigating these things and, and trying to figure out what they are and taking them seriously. Yeah, I agree. It's really cool. They do some great work and they, 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 like you said, have the cooperation of everyone throughout their government. And they're a great example of how this can be done in a positive way. And I agree. It's really cool. This organization is out there doing this work. And, uh, it's great that they love Leslie, who's very credible and careful, uh, and that they use her to get their work out there. So pretty cool stuff. Exactly. I agree about Leslie. She's top notch and never wants to be confused with the ufologist. She's a journalist. Right, right. So finally, uh, the last story I wanted to just mention, and this is kind of fun because I didn't realize that we had a guest uh, reviewer. Uh, this is a guy who writes a blog. He mostly writes about rock music and that stuff. He likes that kind of music that goes. You probably listen to a lot of that kind of stuff yourself. So, but he reviews uh, movies and stuff like that. He's a good writer, uh, really cool, interesting stuff, and he's into UFOs. So we did a review of Dark Side of the Moon in a, uh, you know, at, from the perspective of people interested in UFOs. And so it's really cool and uh, interesting. He's convinced me to at least see this new Area 51 documentary. All right, it's not a documentary. It's a, it's a fiction film, found footage film, and it's made by the uh paranormal activity guys you know they got huge for doing this kind of stuff in this ghost thing so uh it looks really interesting and i think the part that's most interesting and why i'm mentioning it is that there are ufologists in it there's norio hayakawa glenn campbell and george knapp i guess is in it for a few seconds even though when i posted to facebook <laughs> this review and i put hey noria and george knapp are in this george knapp did not seem to uh know that he was in a oh few seconds of this film so we'll see what happens with that but uh yeah kind of cool that they had some ufologists in this film well it's yeah i'm looking forward to see that as well you know and and it's really something how you know, they can have a budget where they do like found footage type films, such a low budget and, and such great success. I hope this one, um, you know, is as good as this guy is saying it is because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it'll do well. Yeah, so do I. I guess it's not being shown, you know, in all theaters right now, but uh, I think it's going to be available on demand if it isn't already. I think it is. So it looks like at least fun, especially uh, for people who are into UFOs, because you can see some uh, research and maybe some of the people Martin and I have interviewed in these movies. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. It is. 
So that's about it. Was there any other piece of news that you feel that I had, you know, that we got to get out there? Um, you know, not that I can think of, okay. except um, I heard that um, a flying saucer landed on the White House lawn, but I don't think that's mm. a big news story. Yeah, happens no. all the time. Yeah, it does. Since yeah. 1952. <laughs> that's right. No, I think that's it, man. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Martin. Uh, this was a lot of fun, and we will do it again. <laughs> I hope so, and thank you out there, listeners. Um, I know it's a big change, but hopefully um, I'll bring a little bit to the table here, and you'll have some fun. Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, so without further ado, let's talk to Kevin Randall. I am super-duper happy to have Kevin Randall back on the show. Hello, Kevin. Oh, how are you doing? Doing pretty well. Now, this is it's a funny thing, and I haven't done this yet. A lot of people keep saying, okay, I'm going to stop talking about the Roswell slides. All right, we're done with the Roswell slides. But somehow, you know, something happens and everybody keeps talking. And uh, you're one of those guys because you've written on your site, I think, several times in the last few weeks. All right, I'm done with this. Uh, at least as far as your site goes, do you think you really are done with it? I wrote that I was done with it unless I got a statement from Tom Carey and Don Schmidt, uh -huh. and that I would publish their statements with, not, with no editorial comment from me. Uh -huh. I would publish them straight as they, they wrote them. The only thing I did with Don's statement is I highlighted one sentence that I thought was the important sentence in his statement. Other than that, I haven't done anything with the Roswell slide since I said I was going to stop, uh -huh. but there's still things going on and there's information that needs to come out um so i'm just kind of waiting to see where where things go from there yeah yeah i think that's how we all are so we'll get into that um but i i am interested in this um now to share with you the first time i heard about this uh, the Roswell slides, I think I heard some rumors about there could possibly be something. And, you know, there's always rumors. And especially like with, with you all with Roswell, there's always some new information. So, uh, But then a little bit more co started coming out. And the first thing I read about or started following uh, is the Anthony Bregalia when he started talking about stuff, uh, posting this stuff online. Is that how you first came to, to know about the Roswell slides? I first learned about them in a column that Rich Reynolds had done on his old UFO conjectures, or UFO iconoclast um, blog, which is now UFO conjectures, and he'd mentioned something about this sort of information coming up, and I hadn't heard anything about it, but he um, mentioned Nick Redfern, had told him a little bit about it, and I talked to Nick Redfern about it and learned more about it, and I sent an email to um, Don Schmidt and Tom Carey and said, you know, this is what's being published. I haven't heard anything about it. I've signed no nondisclosure agreements. Uh, what's going on? And they, uh, I think Tom wrote back and told me a little bit about what was happening and that, that, that uh, they had some evidence They'd signed the non-disclosure agreements, and he really couldn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Tony Bagalia began uh, writing some columns that, that led to more information about the slide circulating. So I learned about it basically uh, online <laughs> from, yeah. from uh, Rich Reynolds. And that's interesting because of the 
there's this Roswell Dream Team. And, you know, because the first thing I when I heard about it, I, I sent an email to you and Don uh, saying, hey, what is this? You know, is this something that you all are working on? Or are you willing to say anything? Because to me, you know, I know you guys. Um, I know you're careful researchers. Uh, I know I can trust what information you would share and that you'd be sharing whatever you felt was best to share at that time. Um, however, now I guess then my question is, is how did the Roswell Dream Team come about and who all is, is part of this Dream Team? Back in 2011, I guess, in 2011, uh, we were down in Roswell at the festival, and Tom Carey said to me one day, want to go to lunch at Church's Fried Chicken. I'm never one to turn down Church's Fried Chicken, so I said, <laughs> certainly. And he proposed to me, he said he wanted to write the ultimate Roswell book, and he, he wanted to partner with me to do that. And I had already sent out a uh, uh, proposal to my publisher about doing the ultimate Roswell book, so I was caught in a little bit of a dilemma there. But I said, yeah, Tom, I'd be glad to do this thinking that, well, if, it, if uh, the book proposal I sent out would, uh, succeeded, I would worry about that at that, at that time. What eventually happened is the, the publisher said, no, we'd like to do our books with more than one case involved. So that they basically rejected the proposal, and we came up with something else to do. So Tom and I decided we were going to do the Ultimate Roswell book, and then Tom said to me, well, he felt, sometime later, that he'd felt some loyalty to Don Schmidt because he'd worked with him for so long. And so he'd invited Don into this thing, and he was thinking of it as sort of the Roswell dream team. And Tony Begalia had been working with them for quite a while, and so he, he was brought on board. And I thought if you're doing the book, you need to, do, you need to talk to David Rudiak because of his knowledge of the Ramey memo. And that would be an important thing to, to uh, research in, in connection with this book. So Rudiak was bought, brought on board, and I thought, well, we need someone of a more skeptical bend. And uh, Chris Rukowski's name came up, so he was invited to join the team. After uh, we, we met in 2012 in Roswell, Don, Tom, and I, to kind of map out where we were going to go with the book. And I said, for this project to work, we need we need something else. We need something big. We need some additional evidence or some documentation. And they said, yeah, yeah, we, we, we certainly know about that. I found out later that they had already heard about, they already had the slides in hand, uh, not the slides in hand, but they'd already talked to the people about the slides and all this, mentioned nothing to me about it. They showed a uh, computer printout, a jet Print, uh, jet ink printout of, of one of the slides to David Rudiak at that convention. They said nothing to me, but they mentioned it to Rudiak, which I found a little bit annoying mm -hmm. uh, that they wouldn't trust me with that information. And then I found out about it, I guess, in February of 2013 when uh, the information began to break in a public arena. And like I said, I talked to Nick Redfern, and he said that he'd talked to, he'd gotten a call from some guy who had been, been in Midland, Texas. And I guess the owner of the slides, uh, Joe Beeson, had been down there trying to learn more about the Rays, and somebody had overheard him talking about it, and they called Nick Redfern and told him about it. I suspect now it was probably Beeson or Drew who called Nick Redfern because the coincidence of this guy overhearing enough information to give it to Nick Redfern seems a little bit astronomical. The odds are just mm -hmm. really out there. But anyway, so Nick Redfern knew about it, and he talked to uh, Rich Reynolds about it. Then I talked to Redfern and learned what he knew. And then um, 
emailed Tom and Don and, and um, was basically told, yeah, but we've signed this non-disclosure agreement. And I thought at that point, well, I don't need to know anymore. I don't need to investigate anymore. They're handling it. Mm-hmm. I would periodically hear from Tony Vigalia about a little bit of what was going on, and I think that was why some people thought I was involved in that investigation when I wasn't, uh, but because I knew a little bit about it. But um, that investigation was being handled by Tom and Don and Tony, and I guess they'd shown, they had tried to get David Rudiak involved to see if he could decode the placard that was near the, the um, body uh, and that sort of thing. But um, their investigation went on without my knowledge and the specifics of it continued. And finally, in the summer of 2013, I said, Guy, this is, guys, this just isn't working. Um, we've got to stop this now because... I had I'd, I'd gotten a good offer for the book from a, a, a reputable hard um, back publisher. Uh, I talked to Don or Tom about this and told him we needed to get some stuff to the the publisher. We're going to lose this window of opportunity and by the by the summer of 2013. It was pretty clear that that wasn't going to happen. So I kind of said, "Hey, oh, I'm I'm done with this." Mm-hmm. So they continued off on their investigation without me. Uh, I stayed in communication with Tom and uh, Tony Vergalia and uh, periodically with Don, uh, but nothing really about the, the slide. So that's sort of my history in it, into it until we got to November when uh, of last year when Tom announced to the world that they had these slides. And from that point on, a lot of information was leaking out. Adam Dew was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom and Don were all over the place talking about it. So I was gathering more information. And I wrote on my blog a number of times that what I knew about it at this point, the lack of provenance, for example, they don't know who took the pictures, for sure. They don't know when they were taken. They don't know where they were taken. All of that stuff, they, they didn't know. And I thought this is going to be a real hurdle for them to leap. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless they can, unless they can do this, because you can't talk to the photographer, because apparently he and she, he or she is dead. Uh, you have no family members to talk to. You cannot prove any of this stuff. And I said, I, I, I'm afraid this is going to turn out badly, mm-hmm. uh, because you cannot answer those questions. And uh, when we finally get to the May 5th um, presentation, what we'd hoped would be the answers to those questions just were not there. Mm-hmm. And so you get done with it, and you have some uh, men with impeccable anthropological and biological credentials saying that this body is not human and here's why we believe this and you have some of the other people speaking to it i think don said well we tried to have the placard read by doing all of this stuff and nobody could read the placard and um not like that you um uh, realize that there's some real problems with the investigation into the slides and the provenance of the slides and the chain of custody. You couldn't even establish a chain of custody for the slides. Mm-hmm. And by, by the, you know, 24 or 48 hours later, we all knew what the placard said. Right. Because, because online, um, I think Adam Dude put up a, a better copy of the slide and, and a number of different organizations and different people looked at that and were able to do blur it and discovered that, well, we now know where the picture was taken. It was taken in Mesa Verde. Yeah. And then we know that the the body was uh, a, a child, a child uh, mummy from what eight hundred a thousand years ago. And so it all blew up that quickly. Yeah, yeah. And see what you describe now. I think is some insight that you know because there was so much rumor and you know 
going on in the background. A lot of the public didn't see this because this is in the, some of the online forums that we're in and people commenting on your site. And one great thing about you is you're an open book. I mean, everything you learn or discover, you post it right there on your website. And, and you're very open and honest. When you get criticism, you... you uh, you explain yourself and explain, you know, what's going on here. Because I know there were some people saying, you know what, Kevin, you have too much information. You've got to be in on this. But uh, as you explained, you were getting information, and so were others from Tony Bregalia, whereas Tom and Don were very tight-lipped about their investigation. And we didn't really start getting a lot of information from them until November of last year when Tom made the announcement at the American uh, university. Yeah. And then uh, more and more of it came out as Adam Dew started promoting his documentary. We were getting right. more information that way. And one of the things, one of the things is, uh, you know, in the documentary, they do interviews a guy who said he'd been in Roswell in 1947 and seen the bodies and said, this is what, this looks exactly like what I saw in 1947. And then they were outraged when others found out who it was. I, I, I it was, it was pretty clear who it was, they gave enough information that you could figure out who it was without a whole lot of um, aggravation. Mm-hmm. And they were and they were, they were complaining that people called him to, to vet the information. And I'm thinking, what did you expect? Yeah, that's what people do. Well, but but I mean, they're they're being very secretive. They're being they're saying we've got this information that is, uh, you know, uh, radical. This information is game changing. This is important information. Mm-hmm. And so. They expect us to accept all of that without trying to vet it. And some of the things that we were able to vet, they said this guy had been a lieutenant in Roswell. Well, he hadn't. He had retired as a staff sergeant from the Air Force after 20 years of service. I mean, his career was honorable, not particularly distinctive, but he, I mean, but it was an honorable career, and he and he did a job, and he served the country well. But he was never a lieutenant, and in 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 Roswell in 1947, he was a PFC, and we were able to get that information and clarify that point of view. It appears that it was Adam Dew who made that mistake, saying that mm. he was a lieutenant, not that the guy had claimed to be an officer in any, any way. But that's the kind of thing you need to do. And then they mentioned, well, we have this. Kodak expert who literally let, wrote the book on Kodak history, which is true, and then they were annoyed that a number of people, including Billy Cox, I mean a legitimate journalist, called to see what the guy had to say and discovered that the the um, enthusiasm this guy had shown for the slides wasn't quite that enthusiastic, and there were some questions in it. So we were vetting that information which I don't understand why they didn't expect us to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you all wouldn't have done this, a a journalist, um, even myself, even though I'm not mainstream, I mean, I would be, it's my job to vet that kind of stuff if I can, if no one else has done it. Billy is mainstream journalism. Or let's say Lee Spiegel would have written about it or any mainstream uh, publication. That's what they're going to do. As a blogger, I mean, right, I understand right. that's not real journalism, uh, but it's but it's new journalism, if you will. Right. And I think that I have an obligation right. to verify the information. And if I cannot verify it, I, I'm required to, to, to point that out. And if I can verify it, then I have to underscore the legitimacy of that information. And so we've uh-huh. got these slides out there, 
and were asking questions about it. In, in December of, of last year, after Tom had made the announcement, I, I was trying to figure out what could this possibly be. I'd gone through the books I have on science fiction movies and things like that, looking for anything that would, what did the aliens look like that they were in the movies in the, in the 1940s, and basically they were humans, because that's the easiest way to, to do it. You know, you don't have to come up with elaborate makeup or anything. And I, I, I thought, well, you know, the, the um, people who took the pictures, the rays, lived in Midland, that's the desert southwest, Bernard Ray apparently was a geologist whose area included the Permian Basin, which it goes from West Texas into New Mexico. So we're looking in that area, and I'm thinking the desert southwest is pretty dry, and, and uh, bodies can be art, uh, naturally mummified. And I, I, so I wrote to Tom. I said, could this possibly be a mummy? And he said, no, that can't be. We've looked at hundreds of pictures of mummies, and this isn't it. We can't find it. I'm thinking, what, after we've seen the thing, I'm, I'm thinking, geez, it looks like a mummy, you may not have found the exact mummy, but it looks an awful lot like other mummies that have been photographed around the world and that you can go online and look at. How could you not see the similarities? Even if you couldn't find the exact precise mummy, yeah. how could you not see the similarities to what you had? Right. I mean, when the, the picture came out and it looked like a mummy, um, and, you know, I hadn't seen the pictures. I had spoken with Dawn. A little bit. Uh, he he didn't give me details, but uh, you know, out of respect for him, I told him, you know, um, even though he got the sense I was skeptical, that I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm interested in seeing what they figure out. Um, it looked like a mummy, and so when I asked Adam Do, when I got a chance to interview him, I asked, "It looks like a mummy." People are saying it's a mummy. What do you think? And he says, "I don't think it looks like a mummy." Which is fine. That's his opinion. That's Tom's opinion. But that does not an alien make. Um, and when you just have pictures, and then and then you're looking at the at the um, placard. Mm -hmm. And then now we have the yeah the placard and everything. Now I I want to give a little bit of background real quick for people who might be completely lost. Uh, we have talked about this uh, on the show before. We've followed along at least you know we've written a few stories as time has gone on. But just a couple of pieces of information. Nick Redfern, uh, you know we've had him on the show, but for people who aren't aware, he's an author. Uh, does a lot of research. Uh, on a lot of different paranormal and UFO topics. Uh, we actually did an interview that we have on YouTube right now uh, where he talks about his background with these Roswell slides. But essentially, he was approached a while ago by someone who said they knew of the slides and said, hey, do you think you'd be able to, you would buy alien pictures or could you help me sell pictures if they were of genuine aliens? And uh, that kind of a red flag for him. Um, I went. I went back on. to my. I went back to my notes from my conversation with uh, Nick Redfern mm -hmm. because I, that that had been brought up uh, in the last few days, and I I didn't remember that. And I went back from my notes and discovered that he'd said that to me back in um, would have been November. Uh, I'm sorry, February of 2013. Mm -hmm. That there'd been some discussion. Would would these things be valuable? Could you sell these? Who would you sell these to? And so that makes me wonder if it wasn't Beeson or Do who actually called him, right? Because they're not bound by the the the, the, the non-disclosure agreement. They can do whatever they want. You know, Tom and Don were, but they could they could be looking for that. And so I, I wondered if maybe one of them had called Redfern to kind of 
feel him out and see if he knew what they might be able to make some money off these yeah. things. Which and, happens and, to all of us. I mean, unfortunately, even when I started as a MUFON investigator many, many years ago when I first got into all of this stuff, you would get those calls. Uh, I have a picture of a UFO. How much will you guys pay for it? Oh, yeah. A lot time. of people do that. So, I mean, it's no surprise people would do that. And and a little background on Beeson and do just to catch people up. Now, and you can correct me, but Beeson, it was his sister, allegedly, yeah. who uh, something, I think it was 1998, who was uh, part of cleaning out a house for an estate sale or getting it ready for an yeah. estate sale. She found this box of slides that was in that was marked in the stuff that was to be thrown away. She decided to save it. The way Adam Dew described it to me is she was a bit of a hoarder, so she threw it in her garage where it sat for about 10 years. Finally, then she looks at the slides. She sees uh, and projects them. She sees something weird that looks like it might be an alien. She shows her brother, who's Jeff Beeson. Um, Jeff is friends with Adam Dew, who's uh, Adam. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Beeson. Joe Beeson. Oh, Joe Beeson. Uh, Joe is friends with Adam Dew, who uh, is a videographer and uh, has spent some time as a journalist, mostly in the sports arena and in the high school sports. Uh, so he thinks it's uh, allegedly oh, weird, too, and it might be an alien. So that's when Joe and Adam begin to investigate, but apparently also to shop around to see uh, if there's any interest uh, in, in people to sell the, the photographs. Yeah, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. And the thing you have to remember is it, it, it the house is being cleaned out for an estate sale. We never got a, a satisfactory answer as to who owned the house. Had it been the Ray's home, uh, I think she died in 1988, so somebody must have owned the house and been living in it uh, before they started cleaning it for the estate sale. Somebody said it might have been uh, Hilda Ray's attorney who owned the house. So there was a lot of discussion about, um, um, you know, who owned the house. So you've got to, you've got a break in the chain of custody at that point. Mm-hmm. You're not really sure who owns the who owned the slides or who took the pictures because they were separated in another envelope taped inside the top of this box or something of the pictures that obviously had been taken by the Rays. So you've got a problem with the provenance of it as as well, and then it's sitting around. Um, until she sends the slide to her brother, who doesn't do anything with them until uh, 2008. So you've got another big break in the... Um, and there's another problem I wanted to ask you about. Uh, there's been this alleged rumor or this, this comment that, uh, and I don't know where this even comes from, that this Hilda Ray, who they assume took the pictures with the Rays, uh, were friends with the Eisenhowers, and there was at first when it came out that these pictures had the, had pictures of famous people. But when the pictures came out, just you know, recently, what in February when they announced they were going to bring them out, and Adam Dew had a trailer to a documentary he was going to do about this whole thing. They showed the pictures. To me, that doesn't look like friends of anybody. It looks like these people were at events where they took pictures of these people at a distance. And one of the things that bothered me about one of the slides is one of Eisenhower, which they had a couple of pictures of Eisenhower. The picture is reversed because his ribbons are on the wrong side of his uniform. Mm. And I don't know how that happened, but Mm -hmm. but that was something I've pointed out a couple of times and nobody ever came up with an answer. But they had pictures of Eisenhower. But they had pictures of, uh, I think, Clark Gable and Bing Crosby and Sammy Sneed, who was a famous golfer. 
But it, it wasn't even them arm in arm with them or them next there to them. There was no evidence. There was no evidence that that they knew Eisenhower. That they knew that Hilda Ray knew Mamie Eisenhower well. That they were friends or anything. No evidence has ever been found linking them other than these photographs. I've but now to, these claims are out there. I supposedly Linda Howe is saying that they're close friends. There's no evidence to support that. I've got pictures of of me with David Letterman. Uh, <laughs> I met him one time in the DFAC at uh, the Baghdad International Airport, uh-huh. um, and and I I sitting there listening to his show and and Paul Schaefer's doing part of the thing and and I said to my friend um, Sean Cheney I said take a picture of me with with Letterman because my wife loves his show and I thought it would really you know you just really flip her out there I am with Letterman. And so we did that. And then, then he took one picture, and I'm thinking, it's a digital camera, for God's sake. Take, you should have taken several. But um, So I have a picture of me with David Letterman. That doesn't make us close friends or, or confidants. Right. Uh, and, and apparently there has been some research done to determine whether or not Hilda Ray was friends with Mamie Eisenhower or anything like that. And according to all that has been able, the people have been able to find, is it simply isn't that way at all. They just right. I know. Hands a couple of times. Shepard Johnson got a hold, I guess, yeah. of the Eisenhower records and and asked, uh, you know, if if she was in the records at all. And they said they had no record of Hilda yeah. Ray and uh, them being friends at all. Yeah, and I and I, I had forgotten his name, and that's why I hadn't mentioned it. Yeah, he's written a couple stories for our, for us, and uh, he's also, um, you know, taken us to task on a couple of things. So uh, we know his name very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but he's I mean, a great researcher. That's really? and that's the point. It, it, it you know that's kind of basic research. The other thing yeah. is they were talking about this this Air Force officer who um, had submitted it to the Pentagon for the, the placard for review by the photo interpretation officer, whatever it is. Turns out the officer had retired in 2004. The photo interpretation of, office had moved from the Pentagon to Fort Meade, which is no big deal. But the guys they submitted the the slide to or they they scanned to to see if they could read it are photo interpreters. They're not guys trying to decrypt signs on displays. Their job is to take photos of areas and determine whether or not there's any mm-hmm. concentrations there and that sort of thing. I mean, it's the guys who found the missiles in Cuba in, in 1963, that was photo interpretation. That's what they do. Their expertise doesn't go that way. So the, the idea that the Pentagon had looked at the slides and couldn't decipher the uh, placard is is hyperbole uh, mm-hmm. at best i mean and, and slightly misleading at worst because it really wasn't done that way it was a friend did a, uh, a friend of don's had done him a favor by submitting it to some guys who may or may not still have been in the service for all i know at the time well and another important part that's one of their experts is the pentagon on the placard piece another yeah. one of their experts is one of the and this is what's interesting is a lot of these guys are inside of your roswell dream team i mean which is the way it should be you're all checking each other's work and doing and vetting all of this information out but david rudiak was listed as another one of their experts who couldn't figure out what the placard was but from what i understand david rudiak like i did uh followed the procedures downloaded this smart to blur program and was able then to decipher the placard. And now Rudiak, right, is saying that, yeah, now I can decipher the, pro- the placard where I couldn't before. It is clear to me that the scans that were being handed out to, to look at, mm-hmm. the placard had been obscured purposely, uh. so it could not be read. 
And that if and if you'd seen the original slide projected on the wall, you may have been able to read the first line, which is mummified body oh. of two year old boy. So it had been obscured. So even though you apply the best technology available, you couldn't do it because they had kind of whited that sort of thing out, so you couldn't read it. So so that suggests some deception. It suggests some deception because once a higher quality scan was available and one of them was taken off Adam Dew's site, yeah. then you could, you, almost without any of the programs, you could read the first line. Yeah, that's what I did. I did like they suggested. I downloaded the the picture from Adam Dew himself yes. because Jaime Musan and some others were saying that at that uh, the, the Roswell Research Slides Research Group who was looking into this had faked that uh, the picture yes. that they used to, to blur. No, I used Adam Dew's picture himself, and yes. I was able to reproduce what they had done. And, and in the statement that Tom Carey had released, saying that it was faked, and um, before I put it up on my blog, gone and asked me to tone it down a little bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I, I had no problem with that, and I mentioned on the blog, you know, this has been modified. But it, but he also had sent a note along that said that if we could get independent corroboration from it, then he would man up and and, and uh, admit the truth. And I sent him an email immediately. He says, Don, there's at least six different people involved in six different areas of the world who are independent of the Roswell Slides Research Group who've been able to do the same thing. And uh, I think he called me the next day, and we talked about it. And then he issued the uh, statement that he issued because it was clear that the placard has been read and there's still people who are running around saying well well maybe the cia did that to you know disguise the idea that it was an alien for god's sakes we not we not only found the the, the place where it came from there's a statement from a i think it's a 1938 journal yeah uh, that was published by mesa verde it's got almost the exact same wording right. as the placard and then you look at other pictures from that museum and you've got similar placards from it so it's yeah. clearly been deciphered and the argument is no longer about what is contained in the slide but how did we get to this point yeah and this is part of the problem and uh you know uh i'm not one for calling people out but when there is flaws in logic there's a lot of uh i think a lot a lot of the the, the some of the people who are saying calling things hoaxes and stuff like that um are being really hypocritical because they're one, they're saying that those who are saying that the placard says it's a mummy and stuff like this are hoaxers or they're doing poor research. But on the other side, and, you know, to call out people who have said stuff like this, like like Linda Howard or Jaime Musan, because Jaime Musan has written me and he's upset with me about this, too. But it's like, but you have not. Uh, before you're calling it a hoax before you have tried to reproduce that process yourself um and i'm not a hoaxer you're not a hoaxer you know and essentially they're saying we're hoaxers if we're able to reproduce it and we can um so they're being really hypocritical not only that they don't even know who these people are and immediately they're calling them hoaxers whereas you and i know who these people are and i know those people they can be a little bit mean they're skeptics uh, but these people who have done this work, they are careful researchers. They are not hoaxers. And, and the other side of the coin is, uh, why not then, if, if, if it's a hoax and they've manipulated it, give us the highest quality scan you possibly can yeah. and see if 
and, and, and see if, if it can be reduced, reproduced. But the point is, almost everybody who, who, who is saying they can read the placard got it from Adam Dew. Right, and he, this is the other problem, though, and I'd like to hear your thoughts, and this is why we need to hear more now, and we haven't, I haven't been, I haven't heard from Don or Adam Dew, even though I was hearing not as much from Don, but from Adam Dew I was. Before I went on my trip, Adam Dew, and this had all blown up with the placard and stuff, Adam Dew sent me an email, and he said, if you have any questions, I'm more than willing to comment, um, just let me know. So I said, I'm leaving on a trip, plus I haven't been able to completely review everything that had been done. So I said, when I get back, I'll get back with you. And and he did say he'd be cut busy for a couple days, but now nobody's heard from him. So I told him, here's what I found. I was able to reproduce this, um, you know, and I would like to, to talk to you more about it because people are blaming Adam Dew for some... Uh, some manipulation here which is of, of huge concern so for instance as you mentioned a anthony bregalia has said that adam dew provided images to the analysts that weren't the full images that we're seeing today uh bregalia says that adam dew has even more clearer images than what we've even seen and been able to decipher um is that true if that's true though tom and don should know this tom and don should know that hey, those images that Adam's putting out now are much better than what he gave uh, our analysts or that Don was able to provide to his guy to the Pentagon or to Rudiak. So that's some major red flags. And uh, you would think that, you know, Don and Tom need to come out and back up Bregalia's claims or, or say something. Well, it, it's clear that there's better, better copies of the uh, slides out there because, as we've said repeatedly, one of the scans was taken off Adam Dew's site, so clearly he had better copies. Uh -huh. And um, if he was not supplying the highest quality scans to Tom and Don, that kind of mitigates somewhat their their culpability in this because they're working off what they think is the best right. quality they have, right. and they're unable to read the placard. And and clearly, with before the the May fifth presentation. A lot of people tried to read the placard and couldn't do it. It was only after Dew had produced a better quality scan right. on his website that the placard was read, like, immediately. Uh -huh. And so you've got, you've got Tom and Don, and I think Tom especially was caught up in the will to believe that we've got really alien slides, and they were attempting to do their due diligence. They were talking to guys yeah. who said, well, it's, it's, not, it's not alien. But I've also got information from, from Tony of, of another an American scientist who did an, an analysis of one of the slides, the the body in the slides, and really doesn't say anything about it being alien and doesn't really remove it from the possibility of, of it being human. So you know they had access to some of that information, and I think right. they were just caught up in the uh, in the, the the enthusiasm for we've got finally something from the Roswell case that we can throw out there and say this is a, an alien and, and we can move forward from that. We've, we've now proved it was alien. Let's get further down the road. And unfortunately, it blew up. I don't think I don't think Dew or, or Beeson or any of the guys thought it would blow up. And I don't think they, well, and they, they didn't think yeah. it would blow up that quickly. I mean, that quickly, it was, it was within 48 right. hours, people were saying, this is, uh, you know, it's a mummy. And, and I think it was Tony... Tony and uh, a friend of his who discovered it was from Mesa Verde. Right. Yeah, and do 
you know, from talking with him, I, I liked talking with him when I interviewed him, and he was seemed to be very honest. And, uh, you know, we he just had differences. Even when it came to the money, he said, I would like to make money off of this. I've spent a lot of money. Um, I think I, at least I need to be, I need to at least recoup. That's why I'm going this route instead of going with the scientific magazines. He said, I don't know if I made the right choice. What do you think? And I said, no, you definitely made the wrong choice. Um, just but for the, the thing, the thing credibility. Is, but the thing is, there's always been this question of money. I remember Walt Andrus uh, confronting me um, in 1990, 1991, about who was paying for our research to Roswell. Hmm. He was very concerned about the amount of money Don and I were spending uh, going to Roswell and, and conducting the investigation at that time. And I said, it's all coming out of my pocket. Yeah. And, and uh, Max Littell at the Roswell Museum one day stood there and yelled at me about being only in it for the money. And I'm thinking, in it for the money? I can't tell you the amount of money I've right. spent on this thing. And, and the best I can do is, is you know, write books or articles about it and... and uh, get some of the money back, but I'm certainly not getting rich doing this. It was a story that I thought was important and I wanted to tell, and the money was really secondary. I don't mind having the money uh, to, to take care of the expenses so it's not costing yeah. anything, but I didn't need to make any additional money out of the deal. But that's always a question that comes up, and it's not fair, because does anybody say to, oh, I don't know, um, uh, David Nora of ABC News, well, right. you just in it for the money. Right. You know, they're paying you millions of dollars to read the news on t on TV. So, uh, you know, you're just in it for the money. I don't know people in other fields being accused of that as often as we are. You're just in it for the money. You're just in it for the money. And it's really not uh, a fair criticism. Right. To, um, to raise. And one other piece uh, of, you know, some of these guys being a little hypocritical, such as Jaime, as Jaime uh, now has been saying uh when confronted with now that Anthony Bregalia has found some more information. Who is Anthony? I don't know him. He has nothing to do with this. And uh, that's a little bit frustrating, too, because, well, Jaime, maybe you should ask Tom and Don who Anthony Bregalia is. Maybe you should do a little bit of research, what you're accusing others of not doing. Because as you've outlined uh, at the beginning of the show... Or our interview, Anthony Bregalia is part of the Roswell Dream Team, and he had, was an integral part of doing the research with Tom and Don on this. Yeah, uh, it, 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 there's a, a lot of that going on, and and, and you know, it, Tony's stuff appeared all over the internet, right? Uh, with with his releases, I know I know Tom and Don are a little bit annoyed with him because he was a little bit more open with the information than they cared for him to be. But the other side of the coin is, had they shared the information as much as they had with a, a number of other people, I think this whole disaster in, in Mexico City could have been, been right. averted. But, but you know, this, uh, rejecting Tony Bregalia simply because he doesn't know who he is is, is certainly not proper. And I, 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 I can understand Jaime wanting to protect his... Um, his reputation and his investment, but um, by by calling out Tony that way, that's just not the way to do it. If you've got some facts to refute what Tony has to say, then that's the way that's the way to go. Yeah, and then finally, I guess this is kind of where I feel weird about it too, and we'll we'll see what your opinion is. I think that the first thing, if this were me, and you gave similar advice, 
before I would do a big Mexico event, I would give this information to those hotheads at the UFO updates and to you. Sure, these guys can be really harsh and go and everything, but you know what? I would rather have it vetted and looked over by the people who are going to be the most uh, harsh on it. I do that with my work. I love to float my stuff by these guys because they may not be nice about it, but they'll find the holes. They'll poke the holes. They'll find your gaps in logic so you can fill those gaps and, and work on, on finding it. If they would have done that before Mexico, they would have been able to discover a lot more um, maybe even found the body, maybe even deciphered the placard, who knows, with kind of a crowdsourcing type of research. Well, the one thing I'll say about the skeptics is when they're in a public arena, my blog, for example, they do get awfully nasty and mean, and I've cautioned a number of them several times about this. But when you communicate with them privately... Yeah, one-on-one. Uh, they're, they're, they're much <laughs> gentler. Right. They're much more easy to get along with. They're easier to get along with. They're... Uh, more rational, you will, uh, if you will, when you do it that way. So yeah. they, and I know, I know a couple of them have said to me, "Well, you know, I, I, I do need to tone it down a little bit," um, and they try to do that. But they do come across publicly as very harsh. But by the same token, um, you need to do something like this as transparently as possible, so you don't end up with a Mexico City. Uh, But on the other hand, and this is kind of the rough part, the Mexico City was a success in one aspect. The Mexico City, the only reason you want to do, I can think of doing a Mexico City type of big hurrah with an auditorium is to make lots of money, to fill lots of seats, to sell lots of tickets and to make lots of money. And they did fill a lot of seats. They did. And this is one of the areas where we don't have accurate information either. Supposedly there were 6,000 people there, some of which I think paid like $100 a ticket. Uh, There's huge alleged numbers. Robert Solis wrote about this on UFO Chronicles. But there are a lot of people who paid $20 to to watch the streaming. So there was a lot of money to be made, uh, hundreds of thousands. Yet Jaime had said to uh, what the UK news that he lost $100,000, the numbers don't add up. And it seems like at least if you just wanted to fill seats, that was done. The other side is you know, there's all kinds of speculation about how many people streamed it live over the Internet. Yeah. And and if you signed up prior to May 5th, it was $15. And if you waited till May 5th, it was $20. So there's all kinds of figures out there. Um Somebody had written that it was they had 2.5 million people on the internet watching. Uh, that in a worldwide audience didn't seem extreme to me. But then you think about the UFO community. Well, maybe that's a large number. Somebody else said, well, that number is inflated by a, a factor of three. Which now we're looking at what 700,000 people looking at it. But still, at $15 a pop, you're making a nice piece of change. Yeah, that is but, a lot of money. But we don't know that there were that there were 800,000 people. Right. Yeah, and and we don't we don't know. All we know is there were about six thousand people in the arena, which holds ten thousand, and that tickets ran. If you if you you paid a higher price, you got closer to the stage. But we don't know how many people paid a hundred dollars and how many people paid thirty five dollars for the tickets. We just don't know those sorts of things, so we can't accurately gauge if anybody made a lot of money on this. Uh, I I would imagine the speakers 
had their expenses paid and then got an honorarium for speaking there. But we don't know how much that that was. We don't know if they got a piece of the gate or if they they did it for a flat fee. And we don't know how much extra they got. I mean, I've done I've done speeches at at conventions and things where I've gotten as little as $150 to speak with my expenses paid. And I've gotten I've gotten higher fees uh, in other venues. It just really depends on the venue and it depends on the organization and it depends on what you agree to do. So we don't know how much money changed hands or if anybody made any any real money on this thing. You could argue that Don and Tom, no matter what they made in 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 um, uh, for their speakers' fees and and such, probably spent that much in their investigation. Right. So you know if they broke even, they're lucky. So you, you can you can make all sorts of guesses, but you just don't know. Uh, how much money anybody made or if anybody made any money on this it, it, clearly clearly you know hiring a big whopping huge arena in mexico city what you're attempting to do is make some money on the deal but we just don't know whether that was successful or not yeah and then finally you know uh jaime says he's going to share even more information uh it's friday so the listeners know even though uh they're probably listening to this on monday or later but Jaime says he's going to release some more information or, or I don't even think – I think he's just going to argue his point that he believes it's still an alien. But the issue is now we have a lot of experts who have looked at these fuzzy pictures. Uh, we've got the placard that says it's a mummified body. Uh, you know, um, if he has a quote-unquote expert that can say I've measured this in this tiny little slide – fuzzy slide and i've measured that and the ratio between the distance from the shoulder to the elbow cannot be human it must be alien i mean that's just so far that's so far out and so uh i mean it's just it's not really evidence of anything anymore i wouldn't think no especially when you have the placard read by independent researchers around the world you have the location identified Right, and you have from 1938, which has got almost the exact same wording. You've got all these factors that that have been derived from the slide, and then say, well, the body is not human, is is preposterous at this point. Even yeah. though you have an expert telling you that, the evidence argues against that expert. No matter yeah. what his expertise is, no matter how good he is, the evidence argues against it being alien. The evidence suggests it's the mummified remains of a poor, unfortunate child, and it's and it's unfortunate. The child is being exploited in this fashion. Mm-hmm. So, what an affair. So, I guess we'll see what happens. I think it would be helpful, though. Uh, and maybe this will happen. Um, maybe by the time the Roswell uh, Festival happens in July, that uh, Don and Tom will help to give some more information so we could figure out, you know, what had happened here. Because I think it's fair for them to, uh, you know, to be able to say that, you know, uh, we were not provided the best evidence um, that a lot with the evidence that would have helped us. The pictures at our higher resolution that would have helped were withheld from us. And that's what happened here. And that's why we 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 were fooled. And that is so fair to say. And I think it would be right to say I don't think they need to, to fall on their swords completely on this. I, I think you're right. I, I don't think they saw a good high-resolution copy of the slides uh, in, until they got down to, to Mexico City, and then they saw a better resolution. 
but the original slides weren't there. They didn't they didn't project the original slides. And I, I this is what we need is to have the projection of the uh, slide on the wall. This is the slide on the wall. Oh my God, we can read the placard. Mm-hmm. And despite this, uh, to make clear, I mean. You are a Roswell researcher because you believe that there is a genuine mystery when it comes to the Roswell event. I began in, in this because I thought we would go to Roswell and we would lay this thing to rest. <laughs> I thought we'd get down there and we would look at all the various evidences that had been presented and we would be able to say, no, this is untrue, this is not true, this is inaccurate, and, and we would be done with it. And that was pretty much what had happened on the first trip down there. We were supposed to meet with Frank Joyce. But once we got to New Mexico, Frank Joyce called and canceled because he was sick. Uh, What a surprise there. Uh, We met with a group in Albuquerque, and it turned out they were really far-out New Agers and had little to do with uh, UFOs. Uh, We got down to Roswell. We met with Cliff Stone. He didn't have a lot of information for us, just provided a little little bit of uh, uh, background on this, and I'm thinking this is just really a waste of time. And then we met Bill Brazel and sat down with him and talked to him for, what, an hour and a half, two hours. And at that point, you realized that, yeah, there's something going on here. Cause Brazel, and he was the son of the guy who found the stuff. Yes. Well, and he had found some pieces himself. Uh-huh. And the military had come out and collected the pieces from him and that sort of thing. So, you know, that suddenly the story is bigger than we thought. And I, thought, and I, I remember as we were going to the airport in Albuquerque to go home, I said to Don, you know, there's, we've got to come back. We're not done. And we came back, and then we met with Frank Joyce. And it turned out, Frank, you know, the Frank Joyce story that we'd been hearing about, well, it turned out that that was true. And we got down to uh, Roswell. I think it was Ralph Hike said to me one day, you want to meet the daughter of the sheriff? I said, well, Yeah. And so we got we got a hold of Phyllis McGuire, who was one of the daughters of Sheriff Wilcox, and then we then we found Elizabeth Tolk, who was another daughter of the of the uh, sheriff, and we started we got a hold of uh, Judd Roberts, who had been at the radio station in in 1947, and chatted with him, and began to find the people we needed to talk to to give us bits and pieces of the story. So it became, yeah, it's not easily resolvable as a balloon. You know, something else is going on there. Um, Don found uh, Lewis Rickett and talked to him in person and, and uh, um, got got an, uh, the opinion from the, the the point of view of the CDC. We found uh, Cavett and we talked to him. And I remember sitting in Cavett's apartment in, in Sierra Vista, Arizona. And I say Sierra Vista, Arizona, because anybody who knows the military knows that Sierra Vista is right outside the gate of Fort Huachuca, where they train the intelligence guys in the Army, or one of the places they train intelligence guys in the Army. And uh, I remember sitting in his, his apartment, and we're talking to him about this, and um, Don or I said something to him about being out on the crash site. And Kevin got very nervous. He leaned forward, he picked up a mask, and he threw it down, and he leaned back, and he said, Bill Rickett tell you that? And trying to protect Bill Rickett, I said, no, Edwin Easley told me, which was not true, it was Bill Rickett had said it. And he relaxed immediately. I thought, well, that was a mistake. But um, we, you know, when we talked to Rickett, we, when we talked to Cavett, we talked to Jesse Marcel, Jr. I found Patrick Saunders, the base adjutant. We talked to him. We had all these various people we talked to provided us their perspective, limited though it might have been. 
their perspective on what was going on, and we realized this is something bigger than a weather balloon falling on a ranch. Um, and although not any one thing pointed to the extraterrestrial, many, many things hinted at the extraterrestrial. And I finally asked Edwin Easley, who was the base provost marshal, I said, are we following the right path? And Easley said, what do you mean? And I said, we think it was extraterrestrial. And he said, let me put it this way, it's not the wrong path. So indirectly, he's telling us it's, it's, it's extraterrestrial, it was something alien. Uh, Jesse Marcel, I found uh, 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 footage of him uh, from a television interview he did with the Johnny Mann, a reporter at the time at WWL-TV in New Orleans. And in this interview, Marcel is saying it was something that was found, uh, it was something that came to Earth, but it wasn't made on Earth. So you've got you know, a statement by Jesse Marcel. We've got a statement by Patrick Saunders about how they had manipulated the information and hid the money trail from, from anybody who might be looking in the future. We had all kinds of things like that. And so it, it, becomes, it becomes very, very important. But then you have all the hoaxers and the charlatans and the wannabes trying to climb aboard, and that hurts the investigation because it makes everything look bad. And this Rosal Slides is kind of an example of that because people mm -hmm. are going to think, well, you know, they, they said they had the proof and it turned out to be a hoax. The whole thing's a hoax. Well, no, this one aspect of it that isn't even really linked to Roswell when you get right down to it. Mm -hmm. And I know Tom and Don had said in a number of interviews, well, you know, the, the skeptics are calling it the Roswell Slides, but they're really not. We don't, we're not, we're not sure we... We're not sure where they came from, and but then they kind of linked them to Roswell anyway. But the real point is, the slides have nothing to do with Roswell. Mm -hmm. Nothing whatsoever, as the ultimate solution proves. So that sort of thing always hurts the investigation because people remember that sort of thing. You know, do you remember Bill Buckner as a wonderful baseball player, or you remember him missing the ground ball that would have ended the game in the World Series? so that the, the Red Sox would have won. Um, you know, you remember the air, you don't remember all the great other plays that he might have made. Mm -hmm. And it's the kind of same thing with, with this. You know, people remember the hoaxes and the charlatans and the alien autopsy and all of that nonsense, uh, but they do not remember um, the hard work that went into learning some very specific things from the people who were really there in 1947, and we can document they were there from the, in 1947, mm -hmm. as opposed to the people who say, well, I was there, but I don't have any proof because my records were older type nonsense. Right. One more question now that you bring up the alien autopsy, too. Uh, we're pretty much out of time. I mean, we've taken up a lot of time, but there's a lot to talk about. I mean, this is all very yeah. interesting. Um, but... Um, there has been, and uh, oh man, what is his name? Uh, I forget his name. He's a kind of a skeptic out there who sent his stuff. Uh, we've printed some of his stuff before, and he sent me uh, his kind of conspiracy theory around, and he draws a lot of uh, of similarities. He thinks that perhaps this was a hoax concocted, at least by maybe Adam and, and Joe uh, Beeson, and one of his. Uh, that I thought was interesting ideas, you probably have heard this, is that the nickname for the alien in the alien autopsy was Hilda. And, of course, the the whole hoax was done by Ray Santilli. Um, and so he thinks that the name Hilda Ray, as the person you know who took the pictures of this current uh, alleged alien, uh, is 
kind of a little sign that, you know, this is a hoax. I had heard that, and I think it's just a coincidence. Mm -hmm. It Uh, is awfully coincidental. But because there really is a Hilda Ray, Mm -hmm. and there really is a a Bernard Ray, and as as Tony Begalia pointed out, a lot of their history, uh, as he was trying to to, um, vet who they were, there really was a Hilda Ray. uh, Hilda Blood, I think is her name, and so that that would be a coincidence if the mummy... The mummy, if the the fake body in the alien autopsy was really named Hilda, and I I haven't heard that. All I know about this for certain, I mean, the people who made made the the body, uh, created the film, they've all admitted their participation in the hoax. So it's clear that the alien autopsy is a hoax, and yet there are people who will still argue that it's yeah. real. Yeah, yep. Which just uh, just astonishes me. The mm-hmm. guys come out and said, "Here are pictures of us making it." And they say now nah, that what they did was, you know, they faked part of it, and, and or it's a government disinformation ploy. Um, no, it's it's a hoax, and everybody admitted it was a hoax. Well, practically everybody admitted it was a hoax. Well, you know, we got still people who believe in these slides, and in 10 years from now, there'll probably be a group that are still arguing that it's really an alien in these slides, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, it, 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 it's even going on, uh, even though the placard... The, has has been read, even though the body has been identified where it was, the museum it was in has been identified. All of this information is is there, and it's, you can corroborate it yourself online uh, by looking at some of this stuff. Uh, but yes, there's still people who are, and not and outside the 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 crew who was involved in um, the May 5th presentation, it's it you know there's still people who outside that group are saying yes, it's it's real and. It's just a bunch of debunkers trying to destroy the evidence that we have. Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> and that, I guess, uh, puts us in the group, even though we're just trying to report uh, the facts. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for being on the show again. I think a lot of what you have to contribute uh, regarding all of this is really important. Uh, I think that uh, it's important for people to see that, you know, uh, they – you're part of the group, what the Roswell uh, Dream Team was all about and uh, how the the makeup of the group. And I, I think it's interesting and, and fitting that, you know, uh, people like even Rutowski, who you said is part of your Dream Team, he was also part of the research, uh, Roswell yeah. Slides Research Group, which helped discover, uh, de-blur the, the image of the placard. So he's out there also, you know, vetting all this information. And, to talk, and that's what's supposed to happen. And, um, and what's really interesting about the slides thing is, is everybody from all points on the spectrum have come out and said, this thing's a hoax. You know, it, I mean, guys who are hardcore ETers and guys who are basically debunkers. I mean, they've all come together and said this thing's a hoax. Or not a, it's really not a hoax; it's a misidentification. Yeah. But I mean, in 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 this case, we all basically seem to agree, except for a very small minority who want to keep this thing alive. Right. Right. So we'll see what happens, huh? Yes, we certainly will. Well, I wanted to talk about some other stuff because it's so funny. It's not that we contact each other directly often but we're you know online you're writing all the time and so am i and sometimes our stories are connecting and and we're commenting and and it feels like we're communicating all of the time (laughs) uh which is great so thank you so much for being on the show again uh this is really great stuff and at least for now 
I think I can lay the Roswell slides to rest <laughs> as well. Well, good luck on that. <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll see what happens. Thanks so much. Oh, Thank and you. just to let people yeah. know, kevinrandall.blogspot.com uh, is or they can even just Google you and they can find your website. Is there anything else you want to direct people to? Uh, well, if, you, if they get to if get to my blog, they can find uh, the government UFO files, which is I, my latest book on UFOs. You can click on that; it'll take you to Amazon. You can get a Kindle copy or a e copy, or you can uh, you can buy a hard copy. And I've got another book coming out in October, which okay. is kind of a follow-on on that. And then maybe the UFO books will be done. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I doubt it. All right. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you so much to Kevin Randall for being on the show and sharing with us all he knew about the Roswell slides and kind of that history. So now we can know, you know, like who is the Roswell Dream Team? How were they involved? Who in the team was involved with what? And also a little bit about this Roswell Slides Research Group. In fact, you can Google that term, Roswell Slides Research Group, and you'll be able to find their information. I think it's roswellslides.com. But you can look further into their research and how they took a look at this. And um, and like Kevin and I have said, you know, these are researchers that we respect and that do some really good work, even though they can be ornery at times. But who isn't, right? I don't get too ornery. I get goofy. But anyway, uh, speaking of goofy, thank you so much to Martin Willis for uh, joining us at the beginning of the show. Remember, you can find more about Kevin Randall by Googling his name and going to uh, a different perspective, his blog or kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Martin Willis you can find by Googling Podcast UFO, and you'll be able to hear his interviews there. Uh, He interviews... Uh, He's interviewed some people that I haven't interviewed, so you should go check out his archives and you'll be able to see that there. But he'll be with us on a weekly basis at the beginning of the show to talk about all the latest and greatest UFO news. Of course, all of that UFO news you can find at openminds.tv. You'll find that and more. There are stories by Roger Marsh about some of the MUFON sightings that have taken place lately, Uh, some really interesting ones. So be sure to to check openminds.tv for more. And then, as I mentioned on our YouTube page, we have a new interview with Nick Redfern. And Nick Redfern, among other things, like uh, his background and what he's going to be up into the future, uh, but he also talks about the Roswell slides and how he was approached early on about these slides and his perspective on the whole thing. So uh, I know there's a lot of fans of UFO researcher Nick Redford out there, and we've had him on the show as well, and we should have him back because he's got so much information, just like Kevin and a lot of these longtime researchers who are so fun to talk to. Uh, Anyway, you know what? We're a day late because of the holiday, but we're going to have another show up next week. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for Caleb Hanks for the opening and close music. He has some incredible stuff. You can find him at The Clerk Chronicles, and he posts a lot of music for free, actually, that he does, and it's really good stuff. And you can also find a big link to him 
on uh, the Open Minds TV radio page. So go check that out. And I also want to thank Dark Matter Radio, who also has been replaying our shows, and PSN Radio, who replays our shows, um, to help get the information out there. That's why we do this, is uh, to get this information to more and more people and that's why we take great pride in being able to provide as much as we can for free um like this show and like a lot of stuff and i think you guys can't argue that open minds perhaps has more free ufo stuff than anyone else that we put up there daily stories we put up two or three stories a day on ufos the daily headlines we are out here working really hard for you but, of course, we have to pay the bills. we got to be able to do this. You can't do this for free. So we have some great videos, and it's really cheap. It's just a few bucks a month, and you can subscribe to our video portal and get a lot of videos of lectures. You can get the uh, Bob Lazar video. You can get the video of George Knapp, the journalist from Las Vegas, talking about the Bob Lazar case and why he thinks it's a really good case, you know, for those of you who are skeptic. So you can get all of this at the Open Minds video portal. If you go to the openminds.tv page, you'll see a link to it in the upper right. But yeah, we do charge for a few things, um, but uh, you you would not believe how expensive it is to get all of this done. And even though we recoup some money, we do not recoup at all. So we are out of pocket uh, on all of this uh, to get you this UFO information. Um, we also have the UFO Congress coming up. So you can already register and get the super low prices. I recommend that you do that as soon as possible. And also reserve your room because rooms at the host hotel are at the Wikipod beautiful place in Scottsdale. If you've seen pictures, it is like a first-rate, first-class hotel. Beautiful, beautiful place. Um, luckily, there are other venues very close, very nearby. But if you want to be in the host hotel, you better reserve uh, a room now and also register. And you can go find all of that information at ufocongress.com. We uh, are working on the speakers list. Send us your recommendations, and we will have some confirmed speakers actually up fairly soon. So I'll tell you more about that as we get closer to the event. But uh, also this weekend, I will be in contact in the desert. So I'll be doing a lecture and a workshop there. I hope to see you there. It should be a lot of fun, and I always really appreciate uh, getting to meet you all. And, of course, as usual, I want to thank you all so much for listening. Um, it's our great pleasure to be able to bring you this information, and we're so happy that so many of you are out there listening. And join us next week for another free, awesome podcast. That'll be some really fun stuff uh, and hopefully eye-opening and education for you all on the subject of UFOs. So we'll talk to you later. Adios, muchachos.